This podcast is available thanks to the Access Internet Radio Project, funded by New Zealand On Air. Nice one. Improve your health and well-being the natural way with The Medicine Man, next on Plains FM. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back from holiday, and uh, hope you all had a good time and you're more relaxed to start the year. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Lily the Pink today. You've heard the song that's just been on called Let's Drink a Drink a Drink to Lily the Pink, the saviour of the human race. Well, Lily the Pink is actually a real historical person in the late 1800s and early 1900s in America, in the American Wild West. And what Lily the Pink did was she was introduced to a herb from the American Indians. Some of the, the white people called it squawvine, but that's not a very good term. Um, but it was a herb called black cohosh. And black cohosh is, has phytoestrogens in it. And these phytoestrogens are very good for women at certain periods of their life. So black cohosh was used by the American uh, Indian women uh, as a prelude to childbirth because it was a wonderful muscle relaxant. It's an anti-inflammatory and uh, it helped their birth. But it also helps for period problems and all sorts of things like that, which I have to say the American Indian women at that time did not have period problems because they're, of course, on really good nutrition and they were very mobile. So uh, Lily the Pink's medicinal compound was basically black cohosh. And it had so much success among the white people at the time that she became quite famous. And so this, you can actually Google it and see Lily the Pink's medicinal compound. It was in a special bottle. And uh, women were, would write in and say the wonderful effects they had from black cohosh. So, um, yeah, have a look and Google Lily the Pink, the saviour of, of the saviour of mankind, you could say, or the saviour of the human race, they say in the, in the song. Well, the unfortunate thing about Lily the Pink or Lydia, is that she was actually arrested and put in jail for doing such a wonderful thing for humanity. And there's an infinite number of, sort of stories that, of people that used herbal remedies uh, and were actually jailed for it. I'm thinking of, or taken to court by the powers that be, such as Harry Hoxie. Um, and uh, there's a number of people, the Legion actually, but Lily the Pink is one of the more perhaps well-known one. But how many people knew that medicinal compound was actually an American Indian formula for period problems, premenstrual stress, uh, infertility, and childbirth. And it's a wonderful, wonderful herb. I've used it uh, actually thousands of times in my practice. And uh, I've evolved it to a point where it uh, helps the modern woman's complaints, period problems, infertility, especially uh, Lily the Pink's uh, would say that, uh, or people that used her formula, it began known, the medicinal compound began known as the, the uh, there was a baby in every bottle. And I've created a new formula uh, based on Lily, Lydia Pinkham's original work and by the work of the American Indians. And I call it Woman's Tonic. And it's just a wonderful collection of herbs for just about anything that women go through, but particularly for fertility. And I tell you, it's a very much less costly than the IVF program. So, that's Lydia Pinkham. So here we are. Today's topic is actually about having a good old poo every day. And I think, oh no, not so. We are boring as this. But um, the thing is, this 
that um, we eat a lot of food that's very kind of sticky and gooey. And if you go back even 150 years, there was a heck of a lot more fibre in the diet. And uh, in fact, the doctor at that time would perhaps in his entire career maybe see one person with, um, say, heart disease. Uh, um, Diabetes was, was known, but it was very, very rare. Uh, in fact, a lot of the diseases that we have today, heart attacks, um, heart problems, should I say, um, stroke, cardiovascular diseases and um, cancer are, are higher than they've ever been in the whole of our history. So what's that got to do with having a good poo? Well, I'll try to explain that um, if you imagine, say, what do you have in, in the morning, uh, whether it's porridge or whether it's wheat bix with some, you know, some milk, cup of tea, cup of coffee, biscuit, whatever, just have a look. If you can imagine you've got a blender in front of you and you put your breakfast in the blender, don't push the button yet, and then wait till lunchtime and you might have a sandwich if you're really good or you might have a pie or whatever you have. Just think what you're having for lunch, what you're having for lunch today, and uh, pop that in the blender and then you know come back to what you have in the afternoon. Do you have a couple of cookies or whatever? Do you have a McDonald's? Or, you know, uh, And, of course, it might. You might have your meat and three veg or what, what do you have? Well, put all that in a blender and then push the blend, you know, put the lid on the blender, of course, because you're going to mess up the whole kitchen if you don't put the lid on. So remember, to put the lid on and push the button, and I'll go, and then, you know, just for a few minutes, and uh, stop it and then pour it out. And what you'll have is the finest wallpaper glue. Yes, it will stick wallpaper. Uh, and if you leave it on a plate somewhere, it'll actually turn into this rubbery, gooey mess. And then you think, well, hang on, okay, we're eating that every day. And our intestinal tube is actually a very long, long tube from mouth to the other end. That's, uh, I think it's over, uh, how many metres? 10 metres at least. Uh, and if you spread it all out in terms of the surface area of the small intestine, just the small intestine alone, and then you've got the, the, the large bowel, what you'll find is an area the size of a tennis court. But it still has to go through all sorts of little loops and, and uh, little crevices. And this undigested material, because a lot of it is low in enzymes, as soon as you cook things, you're losing the enzymes. You end up with this remarkable layers of goo in your gut. And it tends to fall in the lower gut. And, of course, we see lots of people with big guts. And uh, you know, sometimes it's because of constipation. Other times it's actually got nothing to do with it. But the important thing is that the bowel has reflex areas. And where this toxic material actually build up will affect the corresponding area. So uh, the first thing I ask in my practice is, do you, you know, how often do you go to the toilet? You know, how many times a day? And uh, it's incredibly common for me to hear I go once a day. And uh, it's, it's relatively common for people to say I go once every three days. And probably 10% of the people I see, they go once a week. And the most remarkable thing I find about that is it's so simple and so basic. Uh, no one seems to realise there's an elephant in the room here because they've been to the doctors and they've been to health professionals. So let's just say health professionals. And they may turn up with migraines or they may be just chronically fatigued. They might have tats disease, tired all the time, or just feeling grumpy or they've got skin problems. And very few of them were ever asked, do you move your bowel every day? And it's just the most astonishing thing that uh, our main drain is uh, really the origin of, I would say, 95% of all diseases. Now, it's a heck of a statement, but I can back that up with lots of studies and, of course, my own personal experience scanning over 40 years in naturopathic practice. 
and uh, I've seen over 35,000 patients. So when I'm talking like this, I'm actually talking from a place that actually is, comes from experience, hands-on experience. So, so if the fact they're only moving once a day, no, that ain't good enough. It ain't good enough. If your bowel's only moving once a day, then you're um, constipated. How's that for a statement? Mm, constipated. But I go to the toilet every day. You're constipated. You're constipated because you can still go every day, but the layers of this glue, like the chewing gum, forms in little pockets and crevices in the bowel because the bowel is actually full of pockets and crevices. And these pockets and crevices, the more toxic they get, they can actually become diseases in themselves. Initially, it's not a disease. It's just called toxemia. It's just called goo, poisonous goo, but if it stays there so long, it can actually distort the bowel itself with irritations, and a person can end up with irritable bowel syndrome, or inflammatory bowel syndrome, or diverticulitis, and eventually, if it's left for so long, over many years, it will become bowel cancer, and of course, again, we're one of the highest in the world with bowel cancers too. So just knowing how to clean the bowel is one of the most important and fundamental things you'll do for, I would say, almost any on every health issue that you have, first of all, make sure that you're moving well. So what's a healthy bowel? A healthy bowel is one that moves after every meal. Now that's, wow, there's not many people that do that, unless they've actually consciously worked on it, or they're one of those lucky people that are genetically strong, can eat anything, and their bowel always works and is always well-formed. Well, what's a well-formed bowel motion? Well, really, the bowel motion should be the shape, size, and consistency of a ripe, Ecuadorian banana, okay? It shouldn't come out in little things like sheep poo uh, because if it comes out like sheep poo, that is a sure sign of constipation. What it means is the bowel peristalsis, which is the movement, the natural movement of the bowel to move vo- the volume outwards, is actually reversed. And so you've got, it's even worse than constipation. You've got toxins going back up through the bowel. And how can that happen? Yes, it can because the bowel is, um, has, actually has its own nervous system and rhythm. So uh, the bowel shouldn't come the, the the bowel motion, I should say, shouldn't come out as pieces. It shouldn't be loose. It should be in one form. And a really good clean bowel motion is just what I say. It's a ripe Ecuadorian banana, and oftentimes you don't even need loo paper. How's that? Mind-boggling, isn't it? So if you want a really really healthy bowel. Listen to the next section of my talk and we'll show you how to do it. Now, how are we going to deal with the problem of constipation? You know, well, first of all, hopefully the previous section you've understood at least to some degree that even though you might be moving about daily, you may still be constipated in the official sense of the word or from a, a naturopathic point of view. Now, if we know that along, you know, if you leave a plate of food out for a, a couple of weeks, you know that the food is going to be, you know, flies are going to love it and it's going to, it won't look like the fresh meal, will it? It's going to look different. You know, your meat and spud or whatever you're having, even a salad, uh, it, just leave it, leave it out in the kitchen or even if you leave it in the fridge, you know, at the end of the week, it's going to look pretty yucky. Well, so everything becomes toxic if it isn't broken down into its component parts. And what happens with constipated material um, and that gluey stuff, a lot of it is undigested food because there's been no enzymes. You've eaten too too quickly or you've been upset and you've, you've just, you know, your body hasn't been present enough or healthy enough to digest it all. Uh, remember that the, the, the bowel wall on average is one cell thick. The mucosa of the gut is one cell thick. That's pretty extraordinary. And it's a semi-permeable membrane. That means all that toxic goo actually will infiltrate through into the bloodstream. 
and according to where it is in the bowel, it will be delivered to certain areas, so it could actually end up, you know, uh, in your liver. And if there's too much toxic material from the bowel in the liver, it could end up being called hepatitis. If the toxins end up in your pancreas, we could call it diabetes, couldn't we? What if the toxins end up in your brain? Could be stroke, could be dementia. What if the toxins end up in the lining the arteries of your heart? You know, we could call that cardiovascular disease and so forth. So we do know that the toxins do go through the bowel. We absolutely know for certain that it's a semi-permeable membrane. We have even got the names of some of these toxins, and I'll give you a few of them. Cadaverine, indole, and scatol. These are just some of the toxins that come leaking into your bloodstream. So let's just cut to the chase now and say what's the simplest way. First of all, Look what you have for breakfast. Look at how much fibre. Sorry, wheat bix nah. If you think it's got fibre, what do you do? Put some hot water on it and hold it, you know, move it through town. See how much fibre's in wheat bix I believe there's zero fibre, you know? And it's been sold to us as fibre. Well, that's just, I'm sorry, sanitarium, you're lovely. Love some of your other products. And I'm not saying that you should never have wheat bix but I'm saying that you need some fibre along with it. And, uh, okay, so you stick some bran in there. Oh, boy trouble here. Okay, bran, loaded with fibre. It's like sticking brooms down your, you know. It's like eating your broomstick. Sure, there's lots of fibre, but the problem with the bran is fibre is it's got this stuff called phytic acid. Now, phytic acid is an enzyme inhibitor. It's there on the grain, so the grain won't sprout while it's growing, you see, so it stops the grain from sprouting. The only way to get rid of phytic acid is to leave it in water overnight, and the phytic acid is water-soluble over time, and that will take the phytic acid. But unfortunately, they're not doing that with the, with the brand. It's just the brand, the waste product from making so much stuff out of wheat. And by golly, I've seen supermarket trolleys full of food, and all it is has been different forms of wheat, and they think they're buying something different. Ah, it's just wheat. So bran and the phytic acid, what's the problem with phytic acid? Well, for a start, the bran is too scratchy on your bowel and actually irritates. The other thing is the phytic acid stops you absorbing calcium, and you need the calcium. So even though that they can say there's nutrients and minerals and so forth, even calcium in uh, all bran, well, it's completely irrelevant because it's not going to be actually absorbed properly. In fact, it will stop you absorbing the calcium from other food materials. So there has been a study some years back where they studied um, the wheat bags, and they just they they they. Uh, they um, uh, they analysed the uh, the packet and there was more nutrients in the cardboard packet. Now, I don't mean to be criticising because, I mean, I'm saying that I'm not saying you shouldn't eat wheat bix, but I'm saying that you should also look after the gut by using proper um, emollients and bulking agents. Now, one of the best bulking agents you can pop down to any health food shop in town and buy yourself a nice big packet of chia seeds. And one of the best ways to start is get a whole tablespoon of chia seeds in a glass of 200 mils of water and pop it in and stir it up. Now, don't swallow it down straight away. Let it sit there while you're making whatever breakfast you want. In other words, what choice do you really love to eat or drink or whatever, be it wheat picks, be it whatever, bran, um, or porridge, right? I can suggest some other things. Uh, and every now and again, just go in and stir it up a bit, stir the, um, the chia seeds up, and you'll find they'll all equalise out into the, into the glass. In other words, the chia seeds will swell and they'll look beautiful. They'll look a whole lot little, like little eyes. And uh, stir it up a little bit and then get some hot water and just put some hot water in the jug with it, stir it in so it's warm, and swallow it down the hatch first thing every morning. Now, this can change your life, folks. 
you would be amazed after a few days sometimes or maybe a few weeks and uh, you'll find your bowel will improve out of sight with very little cost and you'll find that your eyes will start to glow and you'll feel better. You'll just feel wonderful. And people say, wow, how do you keep your skin so nice? So, you know, skin conditions are directly related to the bowel. So that's, these are just some of the simple things you can do. The, the chia seeds. Can't talk enough. So I hope that you stampede towards the nearest health food shop and get you some uh, chia seeds. Of course, Binnan is a great place to go. There's fantastic Binnan in, in um in Brighton, the best, it's a wonderful bin in, and they've got chia seeds. They've got black chia seeds and white chia seeds. I've, uh, you know, I'm, I use the white ones, but I think the black ones are just as good. So, that just that alone, if that's all you get out of listening to this program, uh, I can promise you that your life is going to go another notch upwards. So. Now, what about what would be a good breakfast? Well, I've already mentioned a little bit about, you know, if, um, you know, fibre that you think might be fibre, when it, once it's in the body, sometimes it isn't. It's just sloppy stuff or gluey stuff or sticky stuff. So uh, one of the best fibres or one of the best breakfasts I've ever found is um, good old budgie seeds. Uh, millet. Millet, if you can get some millet flour or ground millet, now, it's going to take more cooking than wheat bix because wheat bix and a lot of the other breakfast cereals down the supermarket aisle from the beginning to the end is actually all pre-cooked and sort of, you know, I think a lot of it's got possibly too much sugar in it as well, but we'll talk about that another time. Um, the thing about millet is it's loaded with calcium and magnesium and silica and all these things are really good for bones, um, bones, flesh, cartilage. And, of course, the silica gives you that beautiful um, shiny skin. You see someone like, say, a newborn baby, and they've got this beautiful shiny glow on their skin and their hair glistens, right? Um, they're, they're rich in silica. So millet is a tremendous grain for um, giving you those minerals that are very good for the whole body, but particularly the skin. And they have great fibre in them. So you might use four tablespoons of millet, ground up millet, and you may use a cup and a half of water, and you just slowly stir it, right? But um, it could take 10 minutes, 15 minutes to actually cook it, right? because the rest of the time you're really cooking it, and you stir it until it uh, doubles in size or it will fill up in the water. Um, you then put it in a bowl, or you can also put some fruit in it. You can chop some bananas even when you're cooking. If you've got some frozen blueberries or frozen fruit, you can put those in while you're cooking it as well. If you do that, you won't need to add sugar. Um, if you do need to add sugar, I would use coconut sugar because at least it's loaded with trace minerals. And then you can use your yogurt or you can coconut milk or something like that. And a breakfast like that um, not only was is wonderful for the bowel, and remember you've had your chia seeds in the morning, so you've set it up, you know, you've, you've given yourself a clean sweep first thing in the morning, and now you're going to have this nourishment. So you've, you've done the cleansing, right? Now it's the nourishment. And uh, that nourishment is going to get to the small intestine eventually. And because the chia seeds have been there first, the small intestine is clean. And when the small intestine is clean, it's going to absorb more. It can absorb as much as five times more nutrients when it's clean because we've got all these villi you see in the small intestine, these little projections that make the small intestine the size of a cricket pitch when you, if you ironed it out. So uh, the millet's going to deliver all those nourishing elements. And after a while of uh, having just a breakfast, having the chia seeds, just having the breakfast, you're going to notice even more things happening. You know, your skin is going to look tighter. You'll look younger. You know, your eyes will get brighter. And, um, you know, you, you tend to smile a lot more too because when you've got toxins in your system, you don't actually feel good. You know, they can also be behind a number of depressive illnesses and uh, psychiatric issues, believe it or not. So uh, the breakfast, I think, is the most important meal of the day and beginning with, with um, chia seeds. 
Um, so we, we, we won't be able to have time today to go over each meal because we're all different. There's four different blood groups, there's seven different body types, and there's no one diet that fits all. And that's the important thing to remember that we are individually typed. So that's why you come to see a health practitioner you know, to make sure we know what your blood group is and what body type you've got so that we can individually program, uh, give you a program that really suits you, okay? So it's the person, not the disease we really work with. But just some basic principles. It's better to have, say, two pieces of fruit a day minimum, six vegetables, one really good protein, and um, a good natural carbohydrate. But get lower on your carbohydrates. We eat way too many carbohydrates. Remember, carbohydrates is sugar. If you don't think it is, get a good, even a piece of wholemeal toast, hold it in your mouth for maybe 15, 20 minutes, and guess what happens? It all turns to sugar. And uh, we're, we're assaulted with sugar in the civilization today. So, the, um, so these are very, very simple ways, and I'd say that uh, at least half of the illnesses that you go to your doctor for can be actually sorted out simply with a breakfast like that and a program like that. And uh, we do have to keep to these basics. And this is remember, this is the very foundation of all health, is you need the water as well. And that's 1.5 litres of water per day. Again, we're different body types, we're different sizes. There is variation, but on if we average it out, we all need 1.5 litres of water a day. Some people need three litres of water a day. Lumberjacks need a litre liter of water every hour, right? They're working hard out there in the sun. So remember that uh, one of the problems and one of the many problems that can be sorted out through a number of my patients, all I've asked them to do is drink more water. And I've had migraine headaches disappear with the person once they get into the water. Of course, you know, they can um, disappear for longer if they have a decent breakfast and keep their bowel clear as well. So uh, we have the water. We have a good, you know, we make sure we, we clean our bowel at least, at least twice a day. Uh, three times is even better. We make sure we have the bulk. We make sure we have the chlorophyll. In other words, you have veggies, but you have more vegetables than fruit unless you're going through a total cleansing program where you'd use more fruit. Now, fruit cleanses and vegetables build, so you can decide what to do. Uh, again, with different body types, we'll start in different ways. Uh, the other thing that a lot of people forget is I've asked people, are they having salt? And the amount of people that I've had in my office that have been told not to eat salt because it's, it's, it's bad for their hearts or something ridiculous like that. Um, the, the truth of the matter is salt, of course, is so water-soluble. If we take too much salt, our body quite happily eliminates the excess. That The problem with salt, if you're using that pure white and deadly stuff, I have to say, here I go again. Don't like to take the negative, but the thing is that salt is basically seawater that's been evaporated. So if you go up to uh, up Marlborough Way and you'll see these huge big mountains, they look red, and the mountains of salt. So they've been sitting in salt ponds and letting the sun dry them out. And it takes about five years and you end up with these huge big blocks of grey and reddish salt. So there's mountains of the stuff. It looks red. It looks red because we have this thing called the brine shrimp, and the brine shrimp survives in incredibly saline water, so it's the last thing that survives when the water's evaporating. But the good thing is that the brine shrimp cleans the salt, you see, so all the other um, microscopic life and so forth is eaten by the, by the brine shrimp. So it's just a wonderful process, so you end up with this salt that's got over 42 minerals, and you've got the bodies of the brine shrimp, which of course they're shrimp, so they look a bit orangey-red. And uh, there's nothing wrong with actually eating shrimp, is there? So unfortunately, uh, way back and maybe sometime, sometime, even now, people think that, you know, well, royalty used to have all the white sugar, white flour and so forth so, uh, and white salt. So it was associated with royalty. So, but people tended to like things that are white. And unfortunately, that antiquated way of thinking is still alive today. So they put the salt in a kiln, I believe, that's hot enough to melt steel. 
and that means that 40 minerals go up the chimney and leaving only two behind. Uh, iodine is long gone because it's the least, I mean, it's the most uh, heat uh, soluble, you could say. It evaporates in, in the slightest amount of heat. So you've got sodium and chloride, which officially is chemically is salt, but it's not natural salt. It's pure white and it's deadly. Not only that, when you make it that way, the salt itself forms these cakes of rock. So it has to be broken up, but it soon forms another cake. So uh, the free-flowing agents uh, introduced um, to stop it caking up, anti-caking agents, free-flowing agents, I believe, from aluminium and arsenic compounds, but I have to check that out, but that's what I've been told. But nevertheless, it's pure white, it's deadly, it's not really salt, it's not food for human beings. You get the salt when it's natural, so you get some Himalayan salt or some Southern Ocean salt. Make jolly sure it's unprocessed. So we're running out of time for the session, but uh, I perhaps better mention that uh, who am I to talk about stuff? I've already said I've been in practice for 40 years, and I've seen over, um, what is it, 35,000 patients. It's no exaggeration. Uh, lectured a lot. My name is Michael McCammon. I'm a qualified naturopath, and I'm a, a medical herbalist. I love natural things, and uh, I, what I love to do is to put power in your hands, Right. So today was just a little bit of the basics. Of course, there's a lot more than basics. So what makes it variable? Um, you're not going to cure everything with what the, I've said today. But many people, in fact, everyone will feel better. There's no doubt about that. But if you want to know, if you want a personalized program and you want to understand what where the level of toxemia is in your system, uh, you know what grade you are and what to do about it, uh, then come and see us at, at um, New Zealand Herbal. So phone number there is 332-1786 or just look at my website, New Zealand Herbals, New Zealand or yeah, New Zealand Herbals are very easy to find. And we have a, a small team of people here that are very dedicated and we just love to see you. And of course, naturopathy actually means the, the path of nature. So this is The Medicine Man on, on Plains FM 96.9. Join us again the next time, and uh, if you've got some friends that might be interested in this, tell them about it, because it'll be a podcast, and they can have a listen too. Share the knowledge and share the power. Bless your hearts. Have a great time. Mr. Fleas had sticky out teeth.